He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. She was shaking in pure fear. Her son Aaron, he said, look, if mum dies, I don't think I'm going to be able to handle that. Welcome to Crimes NZ with me, Jesse Mulligan. In 1984, Lorraine Cohen and her son Aaron were arrested at Penang International Airport and charged with drug trafficking. In Malaysia, a conviction for trafficking usually means the death penalty. Journalist Tim Donoghue spent a lot of his career covering the Cohen's incarceration and he wrote a book about the pair. It was called The Tiger Who Smiled. I don't think there was too much sympathy for Lorraine because she was a person who was seen to um, lead her son of 18 years and four months astray when she boarded uh, Singapore Airlines Flight 22 from Sydney to Singapore late in 1984. Um, Lorraine, by that stage, she was a um, a seasoned um, criminal in Australia. By late 1982, she'd had 38 convictions for prostitution, stealing and various heroin offences. And this information was contained in the Stuart Royal Commission report, which went on to record how Lorraine was a close associate of Terry Clark and his former wife, Norma Fleet. So she was a drug addict from a very early age. She was indeed. Um, when the mother and son arrived in Penang, they checked into a hotel uh, called the New China Hotel, which was roughly about 300 metres away from a man who would play a huge part in her life, her, mm. her future lawyer, Kapil Singh. But in the two months that they spent in that New China Hotel in Lee Street, though. Uh, Lorraine in particular was just incredibly um, foolish given the fact that possession of 15 grams of heroin automatically labelled one as a trafficker and was punishable by death. They were shooting up um, heroin uh, which was extremely cheap in comparison to the heroin that they were able to um, purchase in Sydney. In Sydney they were paying about $300 an ounce, in Penang they were paying roughly about six New Zealand dollars an ounce for their, for their heroin. So it was, it was a junkie's paradise, but um, they were foolish because um, the uh, desk clerk at the New China Hotel was a gentleman by the name of Marimutu, and he turned out to be one of the star prosecution witnesses in the High Court trial, which began in uh, July 1987. And his evidence was quite damning that these people were openly shooting up. Lorraine, uh, she was convicted for trafficking uh, in more than 34 grams of heroin, and that constituted an automatic death sentence. Aaron Cohen's decision, uh, he had roughly 18 grams of heroin on him. Uh, He was not deemed to be a trafficker, and in a Malaysian precedent, even though he had more than 15 grams of heroin, he was regarded as possessing the drug for his own use. So between the two of them, well, it was Aaron who basically created the precedent and when they got to the Supreme Court on appeal, Lorraine, she benefited from the precedent that had been set by her son. Yeah. I mean, to give you an indication how sad the story is, she ended up in Malaysia because her mother left her an inheritance of $10,000 and she decided to go to Malaysia and spend it on drugs. Yeah, and um, 
the Supreme Court hearing which finally exonerated them in, um, I think it was second half of 1989, it also heard evidence that another reason why she decided to take her son to Malaysia was that she had received a severe beating from her then de facto husband, uh, Dom. So all in all, um, they were very definitely an accident waiting to happen, you know, when they um, they crossed the causeway back in late 1984. It was, it was more or less inevitable that they would be arrested as they attempted to leave um, Penang to return to Australia in February of 1985. When they were arrested, did they become high-profile prisoners in the Malaysian media? Yeah, they most certainly did. They became uh, high-profile prisoners, Jesse, um, right across the Commonwealth, really, because um, in his early days in Penang Jail, when he was awaiting his High Court trial, uh, Aaron Cohen shared his soul with Kevin Barlow. And um, Kevin Barlow and Jeffrey Chambers, uh, they were executed in Pudu Prison in Kuala Lumpur in July 1986. So Aaron, at a very early age, learnt just what a terrifying situation he was in from Kevin Barlow, who paid the ultimate price. But Kevin Barlow also was a client of Kapil Singh, and it was, I think, because of Kapil Singh's uh, staunch defence of uh, Kevin Barlow that Lorraine Cohen, she decided to... um, enlist the help of Kapil Singh as the lawyer. So was there some sort of um, doubt about choosing him as their lawyer, Kapil Singh, because I think he was in jail at the time? Yeah, this is one of the great ironies of the the whole thing, actually. Um, Kapil Singh was uh, both a Penang State Assembly man and a member of the Democratic Action Party, which is an opposition, essentially Chinese party. And uh, Kapil, he ended up um, chairing the Democratic Action Party, which was a, a huge personal tribute to him because he was a Sikh and uh, most of the members of the DAP uh, were in fact Chinese. But um, Kapil was a very active uh, lawyer for the DAP and he had two two cases on the go at the time which made him extremely unpopular with the Dr Mahathir-led United Malay National Organisation government. And... Um, One of these cases involved the United Malay National Organisation headed up by Dr Mahathir awarding a very, very lucrative highway project from Alastar all the way down to uh, Johor Bahru to a company by the name of United Engineers Malaysia. And uh, this company was, in in effect, a subsidiary of uh, the ruling UMNO party. And uh, Kapil... Uh, acting on behalf of Lim Kitsiang, his DAP leader, he staunchly uh, went after Mahatia, uh, alleging corruption in the awarding of this contract. There was also another issue which saw Kapil Singh uh, get himself offside with the authorities, and that was um, between 1983 and 1986, uh, the Sultan of Selangor, which is a small state just out of outside of Kuala Lumpur, the Sultan uh, publicly made a statement that um, no drug trafficker would be exonerated by the Selangor Pardons Board, of whom the um, Sultan of Selangor chaired that particular body. So Kapil went after him on both those fronts, and uh, 
somewhat unwittingly for Lorraine and Erin Cohen, they became caught up in all in the politics of this. Uh, there was a massive scrap involving mm. opposition political parties and, and UMNO in Malaysia. They became um, caught up in it when Kapil was, uh, he was rounded up, I think, in October 1987 under Malaysia's Internal Security Act. Mahatia, under the Internal Security Act, anyone who sort of uh, upset him could be um, jailed for as long as uh, the Minister of Home Affairs, Dr Mahatia, uh, considered to be fit. Yeah, shocker. So Kapil, he found himself in uh, in jail for about 14 months, but he did manage to uh, keep an eye on the welfare of a number of his clients, who a number of them were on death row. He just instilled uh, total confidence in, in his clients, and uh, I saw that firsthand on two or three occasions when I visited him when he was incarcerated in the Kemonting detention camp. And on one particular day when I was there, he handed me a note a note directed to Lorraine and Erin Cohen. He said, fear not, he said, I'm here to represent you and there's absolutely no reason why I shouldn't be able to represent you. And he was able to instill such confidence in in the Cohens that they they really made a very, very courageous decision to retain him as their counsel. Kapil Singh was quite an amazing man in that regard, really. And, and he did represent the Cohens from prison, and one of the things he did was organise for some people to come from New Zealand, including, uh, or maybe it was from Sydney, an Auckland doctor called Fraser MacDonald. Why was he called to give some medical evidence? Yeah, Fraser, there was a... The Howard League for Penal Reform in New Zealand, which was, in those days, headed up by... Peter Aldridge Williams QC, who was also incidentally the the lawyer for Terry Clark whenever he got himself into into trouble in Australia and New Zealand, he headed up this um, Howard League for Penal Reform, and uh, there were two lawyers in particular, Peter Williams and uh, a guy called David Hagar. They travelled to Penang early in 1986, 87 prior to the High Court trial, and they were there to organise the uh, defence, the Cohen's defence, which was essentially that both Lorraine and Erin, they were hopeless um, drug addicts, and consequently the the heroin that was found on them as they were attempting to go through Penang Airport in February 1985 was for their own use rather than trafficking. So Peter Williams and David Hayyar, they enlisted the defence support of people like Dr Stella Dalton from Sydney, who had treated Lorraine Cohen for a number of years for her mm. addiction problems, and Fraser MacDonald, who had worked with a young Aaron Cohen in New Zealand. So how did Lorraine and Aaron do in prison while they're waiting for this trial to take place? What, was, what were the conditions like for them? Well, I was in a rather fortunate position. I was at the time working as the New Zealand Press Association's Asian correspondent based out of Hong Kong. And I suppose during the four or five years that the Cohens were incarcerated, I'd get on a plane from Kai Tak and um, jump a Cathay Pacific flight down to Penang sort of four or five times a year just to check on them. And... um, because I was sort of regarded as the uh, New Zealand journalist on the ground, uh, Kapil Singh went out of his way to get me in to see these people during their incarceration. 
And from what I could see, uh, Lorraine fared reasonably well. Uh, she went cold turkey in Penang Jail and she was off the drugs for the duration of her sentence. Aaron, he didn't fare so well. He still had a, um, a major addiction problem inside the, um, the prison, which uh, a lot of us uh, journalists visiting from overseas found to be a totally ironic situation because... The very same people who were leading these people to the gallows in Kajang Prison down there just south of Kuala Lumpur, mm. um, these people were also making a bit of money on the side by making sure anyone who wanted a bit of dope in the prison in those days, uh, they could get it. Uh, don't ask me how they paid for it, but um, Aaron, off and on over the years, he, um, he certainly did manage to uh, continue on uh, with his addiction. So what happened to that first trial? What was the verdict? Well, there was, there was two separate verdicts there, Jesse. There was the verdict uh, against uh, Lorraine Cohen, which was one of trafficking, and uh, she was, in no uncertain terms, sentenced to death by the man in Malaysia who was known uh, as the hanging judge. They, mm. He was uh, Mr Justice Desired in Abdullah, so Lorraine, was she was sentenced to death. But Aaron, as I said earlier, created this uh, precedent uh, in terms of Malaysian law he was the first person to be charged with a trafficking charge in Malaysia, but uh, to have the charge reduced to one of possession, which meant that at the end of the High Court trial, Aaron was sentenced to 20 years in jail uh, plus a six-stroke uh, routine wh- whipping with the rotan. So pretty tough, obviously. What happens then? A decision to appeal? Yeah, the decision to appeal for Kapal, and I spoke to him some length about this, was not an easy one because here he had uh, the boy, Aaron Cohen, who effectively had beaten the noose in terms of the High Court decision. And by deciding to appeal that decision and to try and reduce the jail sentence, say, from 20 to 10 years under the appeal and and to, to also get rid of the, the whipping, he also opened up the opportunity for the prosecution to come back and seek the death penalty against mm. um, Aaron Cohen, which is what indeed happened. Uh, so for the next two years prior to the the appeal court hearing in Kuala Lumpur, uh, both mother and son, they lived very much under the threat of death uh, in Penang Jail. Of course, uh, things came to a head in 1989 for the Supreme Court hearing. And um, once again, I was... As a journalist, um, just remarkably fortunate that I'd built up this relationship with Kapal Singh. And uh, I think the thing that I remember most from those days was when one Sunday afternoon prior to the appeal beginning, uh, Kapal Singh, uh, Peter Williams, David Hagar and myself, we drove the 20 kilometres from downtown Kuala Lumpur to Kajang Jail where the Cohens had been moved from Penang prior to the appeal. And um, as a journalist, you know, in um, sort of um, New Zealand, it's virtually impossible to get anywhere near inside these jails. But uh, I just walked in behind Kapil Singh. And uh, first of all, we went to Aaron in the male section of the jail. And then the decision was made that um, Aaron would be transported to the women's section and... Uh, we would be able to chat to the two of them together in the same room in the women's section. And um, that was uh, an experience that I will never forget, really, um, Jesse, because um, 
there we all were, and these two people were going to find out the following day whether they were going to live or die. Lorraine, as she always did, she was far better equipped to handle uh, the absolute toughness of the situation she was in, and she cracked hardy and she was telling all sorts of jokes, but I couldn't help but notice when she stood up, like she was shaking, mm-hmm. um, she was shaking in pure fear. And um, her son Aaron, he told me, and this was a story which went worldwide, and he said, look, if mum dies, I don't think I'm going to be able to handle that. And so it was a very, very uh, poignant time, and um, for all the wrong reasons, it was one of the best stories that I did manage to crack. And so the five Supreme Court judges considered the evidence and um, made a call and came down with their verdict. And this is how New Zealanders heard about it in August 1989. Good morning, New Zealand. Jeff Robinson and Maggie Barry here with Morning Report on Thursday the 10th of August. In the programme today, Lorraine Cohen is saved from the gallows. Good morning. A New Zealander who spent more than four years under threat of death, Lorraine Cohen, will wake up in a Malaysian jail this morning knowing that she will live and will be free in nine years or less. In a surprise decision last night, the Malaysian Supreme Court gave her the benefit of the doubt on whether she was a heroin trafficker or simply an addict and changed the death penalty to one of life imprisonment. Her son, Aaron Cohen, has had his life sentence and six strokes of the cane confirmed, though the prosecution wanted him to hang. And the Cohen's lawyer, Kapil Singh, says he now intends to try to win a reduction in their sentences and save Aaron from the caning, which is very severe physical punishment, on health grounds. Lorraine Cohen says she did not expect the verdict and thanks Mr Singh, whom she describes as brilliant. She says she will now write a book called The Woman with the Golden Arm, a reference to the fact that it was the needle marks on her arm which convinced the judges that she'd had the heroin for her own use, not for sale, and so saved her life. Meanwhile, she says, it's not too bad in prison. I'm not happy, but I'm relieved. I'll be an old lady when I come out. That's Lorraine Cohen, and uh, we've got also the reaction of the lawyer Karpal Singh here. I'm happy, certainly. I'm happy for them because they will live, and I think that is uh, what, uh, you know, is of paramount uh, consideration. So Aaron still faced that uh, whipping, and that actually ended up happening, although they, they had been trying to bring that sentence down to him. Yeah, he sure did, Jesse. Actually, at the conclusion of that trial, or should I say at the conclusion of the appeal, Lorraine and Aaron Cohen, they were seated uh, in the dock roughly about a metre away from myself. And um, during that that, uh, hearing, I became very much aware that uh, Aaron, uh, he still did have a problem, mainly because uh, he remarkably slept through most of those proceedings. And uh, when the court actually told him that he was going to live uh, and that the death penalty uh, that the prosecution was seeking uh, had been ruled out, he had absolutely no idea really uh, what the decision was. And he sort of turned to me and he said, well, what, uh, what's happening? And I, I explained to him that he was going to live and that he would have to spend 20 years in a Malaysian jail and that um, he was going to be on the receiving end of a six-stroke whipping from the Rotan. He was not at all happy because... Uh, 
living for him meant continuing to live in this hellhole, which was Penang Jail. And uh, so even though his mother had got off because of the precedent that he had set in the, in the High Court, you could say that Aaron was not a happy chappy. And uh, I shudder to ask, but uh, how horrific was the caning? Yeah, well, that was something that I never really got to speak to Aaron about. What used to happen um, when they were back in Penang, the addicts, none of them really had any idea when the caning was going to take place. So the ideal situation was for the addicts was that they were completely stoned out of their brains when they were when they were whipped. I'm not sure whether Aaron was able to get himself affixed to a system in that way, but mm. uh, for most of them it meant that they couldn't lie on their backs for six weeks or so, and everybody in Penang Jail knew basically when... Uh, People were being strung up to the A-frame and and flogged. Another great irony was that the whole proceeding was watched over by a doctor and um, they were treated with iodine. Uh, Yeah, pretty horrific stuff, really, Uh, but that's just the way it is, you know? That's the way it was over there. So when did they finally get out of prison? Uh, Yeah, off the top of my head, I think it was about 1996, um, Kapal, uh, he made uh, numerous attempts seeking from um, Mahatia and his government to um, pardon them so that they could uh, return to New Zealand. Um, With good behaviour, they were scheduled to serve 13 years, but as it turned out, they... They served uh, just 11 years. I just um, want to make sure we get to this final cut, uh, Tim. So here's the late Sir Peter Williams QC commenting on Morning Report about the release of the Coens. It did come as a surprise, uh, but a very agreeable surprise. And I know it'll come as a surprise to the Coens themselves because they did not expect to be released until June 1998. So uh, I'm sure they'll be thrilled by this news. Lorraine has suffered illnesses. She's had surgery. She's lost her teeth. Uh, the boy I know, um, he's been through all sorts of difficulties and adjusting to the uh, prison environment. They've both shown grit uh, and determination and courage. No one, of course, condones their offending. I mean, that is obnoxious to all New Zealanders, but that's a long way in the past now. Lorraine, ironically, she returned to New Zealand, and uh, the great irony there was is that she outlived uh, Kapil Singh, her lawyer, by a month or two. I think they both died was around 2013, 2014. But the woman who spent um, five or six years sort of expecting to hang in Malaysia, she outlived her lawyer. Thanks for listening to this episode of Crimes NZ with me, Jesse Mulligan. The Cohen story is one that gripped the nation, but it was far from over when they arrived home to New Zealand. Both Lorraine and Aaron struggled to stay clean, and by 2001, mother and son were back behind bars, both sentenced to four years' jail time on drug-related charges. Lorraine was 71 when she died of cancer in 2014. She survived by Aaron and another son. You can find more episodes of Crimes NZ on the RNZ Podcasts page. It's also on Apple, Spotify, iHeart or wherever you catch your favourite podcasts. Follow the series and if you enjoyed it, give it a rating to help others find it too. And when you've finished binging this, you might enjoy Red Line. It's a four-part podcast about China's growing influence in New Zealand. Hold up. 
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.